Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. And now, join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. <laughs> there, there is no way that we couldn't start this episode without Newsboys 1999 classic Entertaining Angels. Listen, if it has been in our heads for the last two weeks since we started planning <laughs> this episode, it's going to be in the heads of all of our listeners. You're welcome, so. audience. <laughs> uh, so do angels walk among us? That is the question that we're going to answer on this episode of Word Matters. Uh, I'm Brandon Smith, brand manager for the HCSB, here with uh, our, my co-host, Trevin Wax, who you just heard. Uh, Managing Editor of the Gospel Project, and we are also joined today by a special guest, Dr. George Guthrie, the Benjamin W. Perry Professor of Bible at Union University and the author of several uh, really good books, including the NIV Application Commentary on Hebrews, which is super helpful. So, uh, Dr. Guthrie, thanks for jumping on with us today. Oh, it's great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. So, Dr. Guthrie, we are excited to talk to you today about Hebrews 13. Uh, you have done a lot of work on Hebrews, and uh, this is a passage of Scripture that has a an obscure reference that has been used in pop culture and in the in the church, and people are familiar with this uh, question of entertaining angels or this idea that angels are walking among us. Uh, it did inspire that famous song from the Newsboys that we just uh, right. excerpted. So uh, let me read uh, Hebrews 13, 1 through 3 in the HCSB, and then we'll we'll talk about this and get some clarity. So uh, here's how, here's how the, the passage in question reads. Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though you were in prison with them and the mistreated as though you yourselves were suffering bodily. Yeah, so so Dr. Guthrie, this verse 2 about entertaining angels, it almost seems too obvious. I think uh, most people might read this and think, well, man, I should probably be uh, nice to somebody who knocks on my door and asks right. for food because I might be entertaining an angel. Uh, but but sure. surely there's more to it, right? So. So first of all, the author of Hebrews, is he even talking about angels in, in the strict sense that we think of? Um, or, or what's the significance in being kind to angels here? What's kind of a big picture look at this? Yeah, I think, I think he is specifically talking about angels, but he's making a very particular uh, allusion to a passage of the Old Testament that's important. To begin is to think in terms of context. So mm-hmm. if it's okay with you guys, let me mention a few issues of of kind of broader context and then feel free to interject or you know stop me and ask questions as we go through this but i I think we've got to kind of get our heads around um what was the author trying to say and what uh was the original audience really hearing him say so so i think to dr guthrie you're you're so you you are taking the position that that the translation is right to say angels not the more generic messengers Absolutely. Um, for this passage, so that the, the yeah. supernatural being, so to speak, is in view in, in, in that, that that's the that's what the author of Hebrews is intending to convey. I think that's right. I think you um, again, you can look in Hebrews generally and angelos, the Greek word there is often used specifically of angelic beings. Mm-hmm. You go back to the first two chapters 
the author sets up the whole book by comparing Jesus to the angels, to the angelic beings. And this is uh, some, somewhat coming back around to a reference to them. Uh, the word could mean messenger because uh, angelic beings were messengers. Angelos could be used of a messenger generally. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a really good reason for taking this particular reference here uh, as being two angelic beings. Yeah, so you mentioned the kind of the big picture context stepping back. So, yeah, go ahead and get into that. I think that'll be really helpful. Yeah, let, let's talk first in terms of the cultural context. I mean, generally in the ancient world, um, people really depended on other people of virtue to put them up when they were traveling. Uh, the cost of staying at an inn often was prohibitive, and inns were known as places that were hangouts for prostitutes and thieves. They, they often were not nice places to be. So in the broader Jewish and Greco-Roman world, as people traveled around, they often depended on people of goodwill to, to kind of put them up, you know, to give them a place to stay. You, you actually see this even today in the Middle East, uh, as I've been over there, for instance, with Arab uh, Christian brothers and sisters, the hospitality is unbelievable. I mean, you know, that you go in and they just feed you and, and welcome you and, and treat you as a friend, even though they haven't met you before. Um, so the, the general cultural background was, was like that. For instance, um, there's a, a reference to a lady named uh, Junia Theodora who lived in Corinth in the mid-first century, and she is celebrated by the Greco-Roman culture as tirelessly showing zeal and generosity toward the Lycian nation, and she was kind to all travelers, private individuals as well as ambassadors. Um, so they the make Jewish that cuts, they make that reference to her. Oh yeah, to, they, to they lift actually, her up. This is this is a public celebration of her character mm-hmm. and the fact that she had an open home and often had people in her home was celebrated even in the Greco-Roman culture. Um, in Judaism, for instance, you have the Testament of Job, and there's a, a passage there where you know this is put on the lips of Job, where he says, um, I established in my house 30 tables spread at all hours for strangers only, and I also used to maintain 12 other tables set for widows. And then he goes on, and he says, you know, when a stranger came to my door and was asking for charity, was asking for alms, uh, that I had one requirement, and that was that he would sit down and eat first before I gave him money and sent him away. Hmm. So, you know, it's, a, again, a, this kind of picture of the consummate host who is um, who has an open home. They're, they're elaborate with their generosity toward people who are traveling through the area. Uh, now, this this is taken up in the New Testament in, in Christianity. So, for instance, uh, you have the exhortations in James 4.13 and 1 Peter 4.9 to express brotherly love in the churches by showing hospitality to fellow believers. And uh, this is especially true when you're dealing with ministers of the gospel in passages like Acts 16.15 and Philemon 22. Uh, so, so you have this backdrop, this general value of hospitality is a huge deal. It's hard for us to get our head around this aspect of the culture and this being such a big value. Um, and but, I think that's you're, the you're, general you cultural go, backdrop. You, you want to go back to, though, you mentioned this earlier, and I'm curious uh, what the connection is here. You, you said, so this is the cultural backdrop for showing hospitality, 
But this particular question of welcoming angels, even angels you might not be aware of, you mentioned Genesis 18. That's so right. Th- so there's an Old Testament connection here that further illuminates our interpretation of the passage. I'd, I'd be curious, what what exactly in that story there do you think is is um, um, it, it should be in the back of our minds as we as we yeah. look at this text? Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating story. Maybe we can talk about that backdrop and then move to the text itself because there are also a couple of really interesting things in uh, Hebrews thirteen one and two. If you go back and you look at what the author of Hebrews is alluding to, it's uh, Genesis 18, especially verses 1 through 16, although it continues on uh, into chapter 19. Uh, This is the story where Abraham is at Mamre and three men, the text says, come by and he runs out to greet them. And um, it, it becomes clear as the passage is unfolding that this is the Lord. And however you understand that, it's some type of theophany where God is appearing to Abraham to talk to him. And then the other two are angels. This becomes clear uh, in chapter 19, verse 1. It says that that the two men, uh, what happens is Abraham has this time with them, and I'll say more about that in just a second. Um, And then he, he walks down the road with the three of them, and he and the Lord stop and start talking about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And they're having this dialogue where Abraham is basically appealing to him and saying, oh, Lord, you know, uh, you're not going to wipe out the whole thing if you can find some some righteous people there, right? And it's it's almost a humorous, <laughs> you know, dialogue that Abraham's uh, pushing it. You know, he's pushing the envelope with God. But then the other two keep going down the road towards Sodom, and they're the ones who show up in Sodom and Lot is there, and Lot, you know, welcomes them in to his home, and it, it becomes clear that these are angelic beings who are sent there basically to rescue Lot and his family. So the, the whole context, you are dealing with a supernatural occurrence, uh, the Lord appearing and these two angelic beings. But the heart of what Hebrews is alluding to, because the context is set by Hebrews 13, or 13.2, that this is about hospitality. So if you look at the elements of hospitality in that Genesis 18 passage, uh, Abraham does everything right. He runs out to meet them. He he uh, bows before them and you know shows respect to them. Um, he is offering them water to to wash their feet. He lays a feast before them. He feeds them bread. Evidently, it was a lot of bread. It was like 36 <laughs> pounds of flour that, right. that Abraham tells Sarah to get prepared. And they go out and they kill a, a, you know, one of the best calves. And, and he brings them milk and curds, so dairy products. So he, he lays out this feast. He says, rest yourself. Hang out here for a while. Let me, let me host you. And then when they get ready to leave, he actually escorts them down the road, which is, again, another action of hospitality. You walk with the person to say goodbye to them. My family has a has a tradition that often when people are leaving our home, we walk out to the driveway and we see them out the driveway. You know, we wave mm-hmm. them goodbye, so to speak. So all of these things made Abraham kind of the paradigmatic host in, in the in the first century world with writers like Philo and Josephus and others. Uh, in Judaism, Abraham was seen as the host par excellence. He was the model of hospitality. And I think that's what Hebrews is drawing on in chapter 13. 
Yeah. So sometimes, you know, th- there's the focus on um, aspects of, of um, Sodom and Gomorrah and, and the homosexual behavior that's there. And sometimes that ends right. up being elevated as God destroyed this, these cities because of that. And now Jude and other places do point to that as obviously being a problem here. Uh, but it seems yeah. like more than that, you know, a key role in their judgment is this example of, of how God feels about, you know, loving him and loving your neighbor, the great commandment. Yeah, because everything Abraham did right in chapter 18, right. Sodom does wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> to the yeah. nth degree in chapter 19. Yeah. Can I put just one little twist on that? Sure. Because uh, I, I, I would agree with that generally. But um, actually, there was hospitality shown in Sodom. It was by lot. Sure. And the point mm-hmm. of the story, if you go just read basically what the text is saying there, is that Lot does not want these um, angelic beings to spend the night in the square. I think he, you know, he knows what would happen to them. But more importantly, he invites them into his home. Mm -hmm. And once they're in his home, they now have the cover of his protection as well. So that is that's Middle Eastern hospitality. You take people into your home. Part of that is then they become your responsibility to take care of them, make sure nothing bad happens to them. So you do have hospitality shown in Sodom. It's shown by Lot. The, when the men come and they surround the house, I, I think the point of the text focuses on their wickedness and the sexual perversion that is there. I know that's going against the grain of what some people have said recently, but what they were doing is they were acting wickedly because of what they wanted to do to these guests. Hmm. If you want to call that anti-hospitality, you can, but I think the the main uh, focus of the story is that Lot was willing to sacrifice to keep his hospitality at a very high level, even to the cost of himself and his own family. So hospitality is there. I'm not, I'm not sure. In fact, I, I don't think the point of that story is that the men of the city were not being hospitable. I think it's that they were wicked. And that that's the, you know, that's, you know, the, it seems to me to be the focus of that story. Uh, of course, that involves them not doing what they should have done, which would be to hos- be hospitable to guests. Yeah. So, so the commentators who, who will take kind of the, against the, you know, against the view that you're taking here um, when they say, well, in Hebrews, the point of the angels is to say, they weren't hospitable to angels. They didn't welcome the strangers in correctly in Genesis 18. That's the angels are talking about. Um, so that's why this is a hospitality passage, not just about the homosexual behavior. And how would you, what would you say to that as far as how Hebrews uh, thirteen two particularly is employing being kind to yeah. strangers and angels? Well, again, the focus is, is Genesis 18, which is all about the okay. right, mm-hmm. right kind of hospitality. It's clear that that's what, um, Hebrews is drawing on that Abraham is the right kind of example uh, of hospitality. So, so let me let me kind of see if I can uh, state it this way: that um, what the author is doing is not primarily saying, "Hey, wow, you could be having amazing amazing supernatural experiences right in front of you that you you're not realizing." That's not his main point. Uh, his main point is to draw on. This Old Testament example, and 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 say, let's follow the example of Father Abraham in being people who are characterized by uh, cultivating an open life and ministry to those outside of your immediate family. Um, and so, if you want to, we can go back and look at a couple of things in the text itself in thirteen 
verse two, verses one and two, and just point out one or two things there if you'd like. Well, I, I, it's interesting that you say that that being the main point there being hospitality and towards the end of every podcast, we try to, we want to shift into a little bit of application as to how, okay. how we might preach and teach this passage. Um, I, I, I think the entire logic of the Bible would 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 cut against this idea that well you need to really be nice to strangers because you never know one of them might not actually be a human being they might actually be an angel it it seems right. like the 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 whole of scripture would say uh angel or not in fact if you need to be nice to strangers because they're human beings right just human beings made in the image of god are the people that we are to show hospitality to uh it so it, like you said the the main point here is not uh be nice to a stranger because they could be an angel. Mm -hmm. It's simply right. show hospitality as this kind of person like Abraham who entertained angels um, even without being aware at first. This was just this was the the heart that that he had. So when we when we talk about the specifics of this text in verse one and two and how you would pr urge people to preach or teach on this, what, what are some some um, perhaps cautions you would give to, to folks and then some uh, um uh, recommendations you would make uh, sure, for preachers? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that, first of all, I would say to to not let people simply latch on to, we may be able to have a wowy supernatural experience by bumping into an angel somewhere. Mm -hmm. I think in the text, what the angels are is they are hooks back to the example of hospitality in the life of Abraham. You know, they mark that particular story as being very, very significant. Uh, so don't don't make that the focus. It's clear in the passage. The words here refer to hospitality, brotherly love. The term there in uh, 13 one is Philadelphia. And in, in uh, verse two, the, the word for hospitality is philozeneus. So mm. they're 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 purposefully related. So one mm. way of showing brotherly love in verse one is to love hospitality, you know, to extend hospitality to others. So that's one thing that I would say, let hospitality be the foot forward in your drawing application for this text. Secondly, I think as we think of, uh, about this, we, and we look at the New Testament broadly, uh, Trevin, I think you're right that you can draw uh, broad application. There are other, a couple of other passages uh, in this, or in the New Testament, which do speak about expressing hospitality to fellow believers in the church, but there's also an emphasis on showing hospitality to those who are traveling, so mm -hmm. people outside of your immediate church context. And I think there are a lot of ways that we can apply that. So let me just mention some things I thought of as practical examples of how we might live this out. Uh, you might have someone in your area who is uh, kind of displaced. Uh, just as an example, I was talking to a doctor friend yesterday. He called me there's a minister who is um, he has a backdrop in both Canada and the UK. Uh, Keith knows that Pat and I have lived in the UK uh, for you know a couple of different periods. And so he thought we would we would be able to connect. So we're setting up a time to have him come over as a fellow minister who is not from here, who feels displaced at the moment and welcome him into our home, connect with him, try to give him encouragement. Hmm. Um, we've had missionaries on furlough at Union University, where I teach, and giving them a place to live, having them over for meals. Um, 
you know, that's that's expressing hospitality to someone who does not live where we live. We have friends right now. Another example would be um, friends who this week are in China. They are adopting a child from there. And, you know, members of our church have been helping them financially uh, welcome this child from another cultural context into our community hmm. to, to love him, raise him that kind of thing. And we could go on on refugees, uh, churches who function as facilitators uh, in a city for refugees can show hospitality to the refugee and uh, welcome them into their homes, give them places to live, set them up in housing, that kind of thing. So, um, and I think this even could extend to unbelievers. I don't think that's the primary emphasis in the scripture when we think about hospitality, but it would be a way of expressing the gospel to reach out to others. So those would be some examples of what we could do. Yeah, that's really helpful, Dr. Guthrie. And we appreciate you um, not just doing the scholarship, but also knowing how to apply it and uh, help our churches, because that's really, at the end of the day, what our scholarship is about. So thank you so much uh, for jumping on with us today. Hey, guys, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Trevin, as always, for co-hosting. We will see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Word Matters is presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is faithful to the original languages but clear for today's readers. Find out more at hcsb.org.